Hey there, romance nerds. We are so happy you're sitting here with us today in your ears. And whatever you may be doing, you might want to contain yourself for the excitement because we have a gift for you, seeing as it is almost Christmas if you celebrate. Jen, do you want to introduce our lovely guests today? I don't think I can take this from you. You're too excited. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, folks. If you haven't listened to any of our prequel episodes to this, we are interviewing the one, the only... Jennifer Lynn Armentrout. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, romance nerds. I'm Jen. And I'm Jackie. We're two librarians from Nopal in upstate New York, and you're listening to Raging Romantics. In this podcast, we like to think a little too deeply about romance books. If you're into theory, history, and raging about romance landia, then you should stick around. Please be advised that some of the things we talk about may not be suitable for younger listeners. Content warnings for episodes are available in the show notes. Jen, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Let's rage! Well, romance nerds, welcome back to Raging Romantics. Jen and I have a very exciting guest with us today. If you could please stand and give a big round of applause. For the one, the only, Jennifer Lynn Armand Trout. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. We are super excited to talk to you, especially because you just had a couple books in your um, series, your two series come out. So we're excited to talk about that. And um, I think I'll just go ahead and dive right in. For those who haven't yet come across your work, could you please introduce yourself in the type of writing that you do? Um, so I have a lot of books. I've written, um, I think, 70 or wow. so. Um, 69 are out, I believe. Um, I write across multiple genres. So I've written contemporary, uh, uh, suspense, thriller, paranormal fantasy I've written young adult and an adult slash new adult so I I write across many genres but the one thing remains consistent in all of them and that I write romance so all of them are in the genre of romance and what is your author origin story (laughs) um I you know I know this sounds cliche but I I've wanted to be an author since I was a teenager um it was a, um, I was, it was, it was during a Christmas time that I kind of realized this. My mom had gotten me, um, this, these set of books for Christmas and they were, and some of your people probably were recognized the TV show. They were LJ Smith's The Vampire Diaries. Oh. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm completely dating myself there <laughs> because a lot of people don't realize they came out. Um, I guess in the 90s, I, I don't know if they were new then or not, but um, the, I was, it was the first time I really had read Young Adult. And before that, I was reading, I was, I was probably 13 or 14. And before that, I was reading historical romance. And mm-hmm. the reason being, yep, is because back in the 90s, and I want to say probably even into the early 2000s, there wasn't a huge young adult section you would go into a bookstore called Walden Books which no longer exists and it would just be like one like little shelf um you know a couple rows and it was mostly like R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike 
um, and of L.J. Smith and a few others. So if you were a big reader, you just read straight through them. So I was reading old school historical romance at like 12. Um, but I remember reading L.J. Smith's, uh, the three books in that series was out. And I just was so emotional because I immediately went on and read The Secret Circle and then The Forbidden Game. And all of, yes, the forbid. I'm still not over the forbidden oh, game. No, never, <laughs> never. Julian, I love you. Um, so it, it was so, but those books like had provoked such emotion. Like I remember, I was like crying and just like, oh my, and and in my head, it's like I knew that this wasn't real, but like it could provoke such real emotions. And it was just a great escape. And that's kind of when I was like, I want to be able to do this, like to be able to create something that feels so real, even it when you know you're dealing with vampires, witches. And I think Julian was a demon, maybe. <laughs> I'm not, I can't, I don't think it was ever 100% said. I don't, if I, I can't remember what he was. Um, but it was, you know, that you could still be so believable. And that's really where it all started, that I wanted to be a writer. Awesome. Wow, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Super cool. <laughs> so it's like you just said, you've written over 70 books, which is absolutely amazing. Could you talk a little bit about how you got to that number, a little bit about what your writing process is like? So, like, I, you know, I wrote my first book in ninth grade algebra class. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> perfect time to write it. Right? Um, I do not recommend. Um, I did end up having to take <laughs> remedial math in college because of that. Um, it's fine. Which, You're an author, though. You're not a mathematician. I mean, it's like, look, it turned out well. Yeah. However, I do not recommend because I don't. I, I think a lot. I think all colleges have that, um, and that basically means for those of you who've never had to take that. It means you have to pay for a class that you get no effing credit for. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're just throwing money away. Mm -hmm. Um, But I once I was a big reader through high school. But, you know, once I got into college, I didn't go to school for writing. I went to school Mm -hmm. for psychology and sociology. And, you know, when you're in college, you have so much reading. You just stop. So it wasn't until I got out of college. And then it was like many, many years later that I was like, I want to try writing again you know I was doing that a lot in high school mm. so one of the the best advice that I had seen when I first started out was on this website called Quarry Tracker I'm not even sure if it's still around or not um, but somebody had said in there like if your own submission with one book start another one because that first one may not be the one but then you have another one and I kind of like that that I, that thing has stuck with me even outside of like pouring It's like work on something else. Like, because, you know, it's just something that always stuck in my head, but I did have like, I think three books written, um, uh, before my first book came out, um, maybe four. So I had four books kind of sitting there <laughs> that, that were able to kind of come out. Like once I got my first deal, um, you know, pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, I used to be like a super fast writer. I could write, oh my gosh, like there were years where I was writing like eight books a year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It, it, I, again, another thing, <laughs> do not recommend. <laughs> I do not recommend that. 
um, because you can't keep that up. Like you can't. And then what happens is you set an expectation with your readers that, mm. oh, you know, we're going to get books from her really fast. Mm. And once you can't do that anymore, it, it's for whatever reason, you know, you then you have the pressure. You feel like, oh, I'm letting, you know, people mm. down if I don't try to still do this. But because I was able to write so fast in the beginning, that's how I was able to build up a pretty significant backlist mm-hmm. in a very short period of time. Um, and then I was, you know, very diverse in how I published. I worked with small presses and then also a traditional big four, I think, or maybe five. I don't have any clue how many they are now. But um, <laughs> they almost so, yeah, so, eventually. Yeah, it'll just be one. It'll either be Amazon or Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> we'll win. It'll be like a death match between them. Um, but like it's, but I still do. I still what they call hybrid publishing because yeah. uh, I kind of don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. But that's also helped me write more books because when you're a traditional, the the time length to publication is significantly longer mm-hmm. than it is mm-hmm. with smaller publishers. So. I kind of did a lot of, uh, you know, a little bit of everything, which is how I, you know, I've, I've been able to write so much. Mm-hmm. But again, whenever anybody who wants to be a writer or is a, you know, here's the thing. If you write books, you're a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anybody who's looking maybe to do this for publication, it's like, I always tell people, and I repeat this a million times, I do not recommend <laughs> writing to for like fast publication like mm-hmm. i don't even even know i think there's something you guys are going to talk about later like fast fashion yeah mm-hmm. it's not the same as that but it can become that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it becomes about just output and even if the quality remains the same you're like your mental health your physical health none of that does because you cannot yeah. sit at a desk mm-hmm. that much yeah and um, so it's but you know i was able to do a lot of the backlist because mm-hmm. of those stuff yeah with the eight books when you had like that heavy of a I guess of a schedule for yourself did they all end up published or were they just kind of things you were working yes because they were contracts yeah so I mean and 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 you know I always have and and will die with imposter syndrome (laughs) because like it's just and I feel like most authors do Mm -hmm. especially if you didn't start out like super traditional with like a big advance you just always feel like can I sit with you guys (laughs) kind of thing (laughs) And so when I was being offered contracts, like the first, I want to say like five years of my professional career, I was like, yes, of course. Yes. Cause I was like, they're going to, you know, because, and it is true. You never know when this will go away. You never yeah. know when this could end. And, you know, so I always said yes. And that ended up to, yeah, I would be like, shit. I said mm-hmm. yes to eight months, basically <laughs> all coming out every other month. Mm-hmm. Like oh there God. would be years where I would have a release every two months. That's wow. Yeah. And it was just like, I mean, it was, you couldn't even focus like, <laughs> cause you're just having to constantly shift to a different series. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how, yeah, they were all um, contracted books. Wow. Because wow. there's a lot of series that we, that Jackie and I read that are like Kindle Unlimited that come mm-hmm. out, like maybe authors that come out every month or two months. Yeah. And, but they're like such short little books and they're not mm-hmm. like these very intricate fantasy novels. I just, that's amazing that it's like eight books. Wow. Well, and that's one of the reasons why, like, you know, yeah. the, when I was writing eight books, like most of those books were probably like, they, they were still pretty hefty. They were like right. 90,000 to 100, mm-hmm. but they were not fantasy. <laughs> 
Oh, that is okay. uh, that's a game changer. That yeah. is that is yeah, do it. a book every six months. <laughs> like you know, yeah. because it is or four to six months. Mm-hmm. It's that's a different that's a different ballpark, and that's yeah. why yeah. I think it took me so long to write fantasy is because mm-hmm. that's just totally different. Yeah. Have you, with such a large publishing schedule and so many books, especially at the beginning, coming out at the same time or around the same time, did you ever? face like writer's block or burnout or anything like that that kind of hindered your ability to put words on a page I think we all have like writer's block some level of it with every single book (laughs) you know I Mm. used to call it mid-book crisis um where is you just get yeah and you just you hate everything it's going to be like plot twist all the characters die and I just randomly start a whole new story in the middle of (laughs) Which I do want to do one day, just for shit's no, like, Just to be like, how will people respond to that? Um, I can hear it now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like somebody could pull it off, though. I feel like, you know, like, if you stayed probably within the same world, um, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, I feel like you do get that a little bit with every book. Um, mm. There has been times where I've had to write something that I really didn't want to write, and when I say I had to, it's usually because like somebody, either your agent or an editor is like steering you into a different direction. Like for those of you who've been paying attention to the, the whole writing world, every so many years, something becomes really big yeah. and mm-hmm. everybody has to write that. Every publisher mm-hmm. wants that, even though mm-hmm. they're still reading everything else that came before mm-hmm. that. And it's just very, it's a cycle. It's like contemporaries big, then paranormal's big slash mm-hmm. fantasy. And I had, you know, but I, again, I was like, I can do that too. And, um, <laughs> but and that's when I think I got the closest to like legitimate writer's block for, cause for me, it, true writer's block is like you can't write anything mm-hmm. like you can't like you don't want to at all like you rather just you know go sit in a field somewhere like, or you know muck stall yeah. over having yeah having to write and that's when I realized like you know I learned a lesson in it. It was mm-hmm. like I can't do that like I cannot write something that I'm not mm-hmm. passionate about because it does it, it doesn't just mean a crappy book it mm-hmm. means you could really mess yourself up for yeah. a long mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. Um, so I've been knock on wood lucky that I haven't gotten true writer's block mm-hmm. that's amazing that's so that's just awesome I love that so much um for any authors that are you know struggling with a touch of writer's block or that feel like they're starting to enter burnout do you have any advice <laughs> well I <laughs> I feel like burnout is going to happen, whether you write fast or slow. I feel like you you experience burnout and everything, right? Yeah. You know, and I think people think that if you're doing something like really creative that you're passionate about, then you never experience that because you, you know it's not it's not a job. It, it mm-hmm. was your dream. Well, well, it's still a job. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, and it, you and you see so you do get burnout. Uh, you know, you get on minor levels. And I think like when you're feeling that in a minor way, you do have to acknowledge it before it becomes like really bad. And it's like to give yourself grace. It's like, take the day off, go outside, cut some grass, you know, like you have to, yeah, you have to allow yourself to say, you know what, I'm not feeling this today. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because you real. it's really hard when you're writing a lot to actually read. Mm-hmm. Like, because when, at the end of the day, you don't want to see a book. You don't want to see 
computer. <laughs> like you don't want to see yeah. any of that. But when you go long periods without reading, I think it does affect you as a writer because mm-hmm. it almost begins to feel like you don't know how to write anymore. <laughs> like mm-hmm. because we, as most writers, they learn from reading. Um, but I, I say it, it's once you feel that you you know give yourself some time off and. You know, and if you still feel that way coming back, it may be a sign that something is wrong with what you're writing because that can really mask itself as burnout. But it's like you're just not feeling the story or you kind of realize in the back of your head that, oh, man, this this book don't have a plot to speak of or, you know, I, I need to redo it. And it, it and that's terrifying, especially if you're like really far into the book, mm-hmm. but you definitely want listen to that so can Um, I assume that you do have like a better work-life balance now since like you don't have kind of that crazy workload or is that something you're still struggling with oh I still struggle with that I I have not taken like legitimate time off I can't even tell you Mm -hmm. it's it's laughable um but uh and and again it's because I have you know I'm kind of I don't want to say digging myself out of contracts because Mm -hmm. That because, you know, I'm very lucky and, and extremely lucky to have that. But I'm, you know, I'm still kind of in this period where I'm like, you know, I have this year in my mind, <laughs> like 2000, I think 25, um, as long as I don't F and sign another contract or something. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm like, it's it, where I feel like, okay, I actually will not, I mean, I still will have a, a contract. I still have some other books, but mm-hmm. where I'm not like, like juggling multiple contracts and because again writing fantasy it's you know some of those books I can write in four months and but when it gets like further into a story it's six months like and that's a long time for me um but it's because the farther you get in the more world world building you've established mm-hmm. and it can be you know you gotta do research on your own stuff <laughs> so I mean it's so I haven't quite figured that out yet but I have gotten better with stopping at a certain point in the day mm-hmm. I used to write up until like like eight or nine sometimes later like I would you know eat dinner or do whatever and go back to writing but now I've I really have gotten good at stopping mm-hmm. at like five o'clock is like because it's just you just you just don't want you just don't want to do it <laughs> like yeah. at that point you're tired yeah your brain's dead mm-hmm. you just kind of like want to go listen to a podcast yeah, there you go. I mean, I get that. I'm not a writer, but definitely some of what you're saying, like, I feel that with my career, I think, and like getting close to burning myself out in some ways with the library. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I'm lucky. And when you mm. are like, if you work from home or you have mm. a job, of course, not all work from home jobs, but if you have a job where you, you know, where you can just say, I'm not going to do it today and not get mm. fired, <laughs> like, I'm lucky. Most people do not have that luxury. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wouldn't even know what to say about that because I'd probably get myself fired. <laughs> like, I'd probably be like, F it. <laughs> and just, you know, not doing that. But, you know, but I mean, it's, you know, I do, I do feel lucky because I, I have that ability mm-hmm. to say, I'm just not going to do this today. And Jen is always harping on me about work-life balance. And I'm like, I don't know you her. Get some. What is that? <laughs> I had to get some and I still am bad at it. You've got to get some too. Well, I think it's even it's... harder when you love your job. Yeah, right? I do. When yeah. you're passionate we both do. about it, mm-hmm. you 
you care almost too much yeah. about it. Like, I get to drive and, a book truck. Yeah. Like, this is the coolest yeah. job in the world. No offense to you as the author, but, like, I no. have to go bring a book no, to I mean, places. Dude, one of my dream jobs has always been to own or work at a bookstore. Oh, but then nice. I also know, like, how hard that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been like, do I really want to do that? So. <laughs> um, But, like, it's, it's, like, I feel like the more you love something, the harder it is to yourself out of it because I'm sure for you guys same thing with me that even when you stop working Mm -hmm. your brain actually doesn't yeah Mm -hmm. and that's the key right it's Mm -hmm. not the physical it's the mental where it's like you're not really getting a break when you're still constantly thinking about Mm -hmm. it especially as authors writers storytellers you constantly have this rich world in your head that that's what you're putting on paper so how do you tell your brain to stop creating all those yeah. things that you want to write you can't no nope you just you know it's it you know it's that's the part that's hard so mm-hmm. it's like I feel like yeah. to make that work is where you do have to work harder at the other things right like the yeah. actual physical side of it of getting out doing something else and finding yeah. I mean this sounds again cheesy but like finding actual hobbies to mm-hmm. like distract yourself from um that can take your mind off of it and I do think that works for other jobs is to have yourself doing something else in your spare time that really kind of forces you not to think about it Mm. yeah I'll have to try that (laughs) well to shift gears (laughs) to shift gears completely where do you draw your inspiration from you have as we've already established all this work all these stories all this backlog where do you get your ideas from? You know, I feel like when people ask me this, they're always like looking for like this really cool, like inspirational response. And the truth is, um, I don't know. Um, I bore you. <laughs> That's really honestly the truth. I, I, I have ADHD. So I am a type of person who does, yes, gets very distracted easy, also very bored easy, easy, bored easy bored easily if something mm-hmm. doesn't keep my attention I into the worst human being sometimes to mm-hmm. be around um and it's it, so I I think even you know I know even before I was writing I had I would just play stories in my head like con- when I was in class like I, the fact that I even graduated is shocking because a lot of times I would sit there and I would literally not be there like my mind would be completely I would invent mm-hmm. entire storylines right in my mind and you know so but I don't know where I, I I you get that ideas from I think sometimes it's I hear a song that inspires something I remember once hearing a commercial on a, on a car radio that gave me an idea um I you just pick it up from everywhere and like kind of like nowhere they, it kind of just pops in your head But I do think if you have like certain fascinations with like Greek mythology, things like that, Mm -hmm. you know, you obviously pull inspiration from there. Yeah. So I've always wanted to ask an author this. This is something I've been wildly curious about for a long time. I am obsessed with Etsy and I see the most beautiful things from fans of like hoodies and sweatshirts and, and mugs and just like funny little jokes related to the books that I absolutely love. But I've always wondered, does that, does any of that money go to you? Is there any kind of like legality associated with that? <laughs> this is a very, um, 
if it's too loaded it's okay but i'm i guess for me i'm just wondering like how i can be supportive of you the author and also like maybe buy something really cute on etsy so i'm gonna answer this question but i'm gonna answer yep. it as my opinion gotcha. this does not mean other authors feel the same way so if you have any questions when in doubt ask mm -hmm. <laughs> like so for me um you, no one is allowed to do that that mm -hmm. is a trademark slash well not trademark you have a trademark somewhere okay. but it's a cop it's definitely an intellectual property mm -hmm. issue however i don't care <laughs> like, okay. because here's the thing um now i do have some licensing mm -hmm. i am able to license some stuff like i have my own shop that where i do mm -hmm. things um and then i have other people who are on etsy and other places who do license stuff mm -hmm. um but like for example the blood and ash series um since the 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 rights had sold to Amazon Studios. We had to pull the merch rights because when you have film or TV, they they want that merch right, which is yeah. kind of ridiculous because it's like that that merch rights only helps. They're only going to be interested in that if it's a huge success, right? But mm -hmm. you know they can sue. Um, but um, but anyways, I, I used to have a lot out there, and there is a still a lot out there. I don't look at it as some people do, but I will say this, even when I did license stuff and even my current licensing, I don't ask for hardly anything because okay. I, I also know that they don't make money off these things mm -hmm. unless they were selling a jillion of them. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I'm then, I'm not, I'm not making any enough money that I feel like I would get upset about not having, um, but also, I look at it this way. That is marketing for your mm. book. <laughs> it's like, it's because okay. someone may be on there shopping for mm -hmm. one of Sarah J. Moss's stuff, and then they see your stuff on there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that, like, it, that actually does, like, I could, you know, I could always tell, like, especially when, you know, that merchant's merch rights was more widely available. Like, when a, like, really popular creator on Etsy or their own shop would brought something mm -hmm. like I always tell because I would see like a spike like we would sometimes see spikes in sales and so I look at it that way but mm -hmm. also I do go on Etsy and I buy the stuff from Etsy when I see so amazing I love it's that. hilarious sometimes they figure it out it's me <laughs> and I'm always so worried that they think I'm doing this to like trap them and I'm yeah. like no seriously I, I like a... the stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah like so it, I do I go in there like mm -hmm. um I mean, there's like, I don't know if you can see that right there, that caddy wood thing. Kind of, yeah. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, that was on Etsy. Mm -hmm. It's from Blood and Etsy. Yeah, like uh, uh, a lot of stuff back here is from mm -hmm. Etsy that I like bought. Um, so I, and, and again, that's just me. Other yeah. authors yeah. will not feel the same and they are 100% allowed mm -hmm. to feel the same because that is their intellectual property. Right. Um, but I see it different. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it's, it actually helps me. Like mm -hmm. it's, it, and it's cool that people right. want to do that. So. Especially fan art. I, I love fan art yeah. so much. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Jen, go ahead. I feel like I grew up in, sorry, I feel like I grew up in like a fandom space and I was young enough that like Anne Rice suing people was still very much like a concern. And I, it's just really refreshing and nice for you to have like that kind of an attitude. Cause I, I really want to buy like a Ruby Dixon sweatshirt and I want to buy your stuff too, but I also want to be supportive. You yeah. Know, and and like, I mean, this is how I'm yeah. looking again, just me mm -hmm. saying this, if you're buying our books, you are supporting us. Yeah. And, um, 
And then you're also supporting people who obviously bought our books. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it becomes like a, you know, I feel like a a symbiotic relationship and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I, the the issue does become tricky once film TV is involved because Mm -hmm. it's a larger issue. And that's when merchandising rights are millions of dollars potential Mm -hmm. on the table somewhere. And usually that's when you see like, um, like cease and desists being sent and it's normally from the studio not Mm -hmm. necessarily the author but again some authors are very particular about that and you know and again they're 100 able to Mm -hmm. um be that way it's just not how i feel about it now if you talk about pirating that's a different story yeah (laughs) so i mean mean, it's um there's a thing called a library for those Mm -hmm. in the united states um here we are but uh yeah, and it's like it's online too. <laughs> like I don't want to hear that damn excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, um, but again, even on that, I'm different. If you're in a different country and my book is not available due to mm-hmm. culture in that country, you pirate away at that mm-hmm. point. Can't be published in that country anyways. So, I mean, yeah. it's it, it's like so. And again, there's some people who don't even agree with that, but mm-hmm. it's each their own. But yeah, sure. yeah. Well, I know what I'm doing after this interview. I'm gonna go spend all my money on Etsy. <laughs> it's okay are we allowed to ask about the current state of the possible from blood nash television show yeah yeah i mean there's not like a lot of news yet because um so it was optioned last year Mm -hmm. it was it was optioned i feel like since covid time is a construct that does not (laughs) i i'm always like is next year 2024 25 i don't know um but it's um so it was it was optioned last year now when it's optioned people don't realize this that when that announcement is made a lot of times that contract is not actually signed yet Mm -hmm. but your agents and the studio or whomever have gone back and forth enough that they feel pretty confident nothing's going to come up in that contract um, but then the actual contract has to be drafted and then signed. And that takes months <laughs> to do. Like it is because that's, that's a, you know, if you, it, it's like buying a home and a car and a publishing contract <laughs> times a million, <laughs> like when it's that. And so that takes a while. So, and they cannot, and they will not move forward on anything until that contract has been signed and countersigned. Mm. So that happened. You know, they did, they were, then they started um, interviewing, um, you know, and it wasn't even announced at that point, I don't think. They were um, uh, picking a showrunner, and then that happened, and I think, I don't know if it happened after it was, it was announced, but then what happened afterwards was the writer's strike first, and then the actor's strike, and which mm. they were striking for very valid reasons. Right. Um, and I 100% support that. So what's happened during that time, because when you're optioned, you're only optioned for a set period of time. And then they have to either pay you again or they have to prove that they've taken these steps. Or the third option is, is extenuating circumstances where they can hit pause on your contract so that they're not accumulating time. And they did that twice during that period, which is a good sign because as we've all already seen and we, and I warned people months ago, this was going to happen. It has happened back in the two thousands when they had a big strike. 
mm-hmm. is a lot of TV shows are going to get canceled. A lot of optioned property is going to go because everybody lost money during all of this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, you know, right or wrong, that's the case. So I'm, you know, I'm hopeful because they extended the, you know, they paused the contract during that time instead of just letting it go. Um, but they, so, I mean, they probably at this point, um, the showrunner probably would have gotten back to like writing, um, you know, the first, I think it's like a screen treatment that they do for the first season. Um, and then I think other people come in too to help with the script. And then, you know, they would be obviously at this point looking for a um, directors, actors, things like that to um, green lit into production. So I'm hopeful, but I also know that like, this is a very shaky time. And, I mean, there's been shows recently that have been canceled that were very popular, and they have no R.I.P. Shadow and Bone. Yeah, like it's like, you know, that show, like, you know, it was well received, mm-hmm. and I that's very confusing to me that they canceled that. It was that I just came out of left field. I feel like yeah. that was a tangent and a half, but I'm so glad that we talked about it because I've always wondered that, and you're the first author that we've gotten to talk to who had who has had their work optioned. Um, so thank you. Thank you for the information. It's a, optioning. I mean, I feel like op, it, it is a very complicated process, but it's also like, I feel like when you're not involved in it, it's like when you hear like, oh, something's been optioned, you automatically think it's going to happen. And it's mm-hmm. in reality, it's like 1% of the 1% that ends up being optioned actually make it to mm-hmm. production because all it takes is the people who loved your stuff to leave. Yeah. And then the people who come in just do not have an interest in it. And, you know, everybody is, is, it's kind of like obviously feeling the effects of the strikes and just general economy issues. So, I mean, it's, um, I'm, I'm glad that it was this, it was a, like a TV series and not a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I'd be like super duper worried. Um, uh, I'm, you know, Amazon has in the past been really good about, um, they don't acquire a lot no. and what they tend to, I mean, excuse me, option, what they tend to option, they acquire. Um, so I'm happy about that. But again, anything's possible. But I, I wish that people could be more open about that process because I feel like that would be good for readers. Um, because you always see people making like comments of like other people's stuff. Oh, well, that, you know, why is it taking so long? And it's like, well, it because it does. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of hurry up. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a very long process. Lots of legalities to go through, I imagine. So we'll shift gears again. We'll get back to the books. We'll leave the movies behind, sadly, for the moment, and the TV shows. Um, since you've written across so many genres and so many age ranges, um, how do you feel that writing across all of these has helped you as a writer? I think it's helped me by like not getting bored with what I'm writing. Um, mm. I feel like I would burn myself out. I, I did on contemporary and that's why I haven't wrote one in a while. Yeah. Is, you know, because I feel like with contemporary and this is just me. Um, you're, I feel like you're kind of limited. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you can't just start making shit up mm-hmm. um, and be like, oh, here's a random dragon just walking down the street. Um, you, you know, it's like you have, you have a lot of rules to play by, <laughs> like real life rules. Um, and so there's, I feel like there was, you know, I, I burn, 
I feel like I burn out quicker writing that, but I would love, but I think I'm getting to the point where I'm like, oh, I think I would like to write another contemporary. Um, so I think having like a, writing different genres just helps me from getting bored, mm-hmm. um, you know, and also kind of cultivating different readers. But I've noticed like nowadays, I feel like back in the day, like if people write contemporary, they only read contemporary and mm-hmm. vice versa. I don't see that as much now. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of genre jumping i feel like a lot of those authors they might under different names because i remember like mm-hmm. janet krentz would have like amanda quick and she had um jane castle and i went to a, an author interview recently where she talked about how every single different genre she wanted to write in her publisher made her pick a different name yeah i used to have a pen name Jill yeah Lynn. yeah so the, and that was yeah so all my contemporary in the beginning and mm-hmm. that wasn't ya was under jay lynn and then mm-hmm. eventually we just gave up on that this <laughs> is kind of like yeah. what's the point <laughs> One one thing I've always wondered for somebody who is able to write across so many different genres, you've like written in so many things. Do you have a way of picking like what plot line or like what kind of story will fit under like a YA or an adult? Do you ever like have a feeling about that right away, or is it something you develop? Well, I feel like it's something that I know before I even start to write the book. Like okay. I, I know I'm going to write a young adult book, and it's mm-hmm. because I'm going to write about um, a, a a girl who fights demons. Mm-hmm. And it's and I, I know that going into it. Um, but when it's like again, if I'm contracted, then it's different because I kind of know. Yeah. And usually if it's contracted, you know, I already have an I you mm-hmm. know, I have an idea. Um, but when I have no contract or anything like that for something, then it's something that just kind of comes to me. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of know going into it what I'm actually trying to write. Gotcha. So one thing that Jackie and I have noticed as librarians, and we've talked about on the podcast. A lot of female authors who write fantasy, they end up getting kind of, I don't want to use the word pigeonholed, but they kind of get automatically placed into the YA category. I was wondering if that was something you ever had happened to you, if you were, if you ever had like a, an issue like that with your publisher, or if you were able to kind of brush over that. Well, yeah, that happens. <laughs> that is, uh, <laughs> uh, I think we know why. That yeah. um, if you write fantasy, yeah. not so much now but mm-hmm. a year ago <laughs> yeah I, I mean I was lucky that because my fantasy stuff came out with smaller publishers who pretty okay. much were not going to play that mm-hmm. you know and I don't and I love bookstores don't give me that don't give me, love them love them completely um but that's determined a lot by where are we going to shelve this mm-hmm. and if we can't shelve your book we ain't taking your book yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. because we can't sell it and if you think back, most fantasies were not romances. Right. And they also, there are many um, women fantasy writers, but you're, you know, when you think of fantasy, a lot of people, and this is not everyone, but the, the public, they start naming off like male authors who have like these, you know, great books that just aren't very, um, you know, they're not romance and sometimes aren't really positive for mm-hmm. women to be reading. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> this one right here. <laughs> yeah. The Witcher, Game of Thrones. Oh, like, yeah. and I, these are properties that I love, but I'm mm-hmm. like, shit, I'm like a last long mare. So I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I'm dead. You know, it's like, you just know it's You're either going to be dead or you're going to be a mad queen. Yeah. There is only two options for yeah. that. Um, it seems like. But um, it, it's, uh, and, and, but that's kind of what readers of fantasy, you know, every genre has tropes. 
mm-hmm. fantasy, thriller, mystery, romance. And that was what readers kind of expected. But fantasy romance has always been here. Yeah. It was just called something else. Mm-hmm. It was usually paranormal. Yeah. Um, or back in the day, they called it urban fantasy. And all that meant was contemporary fantasy. Mm-hmm which I think they call it now. So it's like a fantasy that takes place in our own world. And um, they just, it just fell underneath that genres, those different genres. But once like Sarah, Sarah's a prime example of this, Um, you know, when she broke out of YA into new adult adult at first, like with the court of thorn and roses, they could not put that. There was no new adult section, you know, Publishers tried that multiple times. People don't realize, like, back in, like, 2012 or 13, Macmillan mm-hmm. tried to do that before yeah. New Adult even took off. Like, actually, it was before that. It was before New Adult was a known thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, there wasn't shelf space. And so Sarah had this series, right, that wasn't really YA, mm-hmm. you know, but there was no place, because you couldn't put it in fantasy because it had romance. That was like the unspoken thing. So, and I think that kind of set a trend a little bit. And so, and again, we all know why that was being done. It's because these were women writers who also wrote heavy themes of romance. So it couldn't possibly be an actual fantasy. Um, But, you know, now we're not, I feel like seeing that as much. Um, I've been told from people that you can find like the Blood and Ash series, for example, in Mm. romance. And then in some bookstores, it's in fantasy. Yeah. So I feel like you are starting to see that that shift and change. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Finally, because I feel bad for Sarah J. Moss, because like with that series you're talking about, that's now on the top like 13 of ALA's most challenged books this year. I think it made like number six or seven because we like mm-hmm. librarians, publishers, we didn't know where to do what to do with it. And honestly, yeah. that that's a book that probably shouldn't be in schools. Like speaking as a librarian. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, it shouldn't like, be there. Well, I mean, yeah, and it's mm. like you know. The problem is, too, is that a lot of people, libraries and booksellers, mm-hmm. like, they also are like, well, she's really known for this YA yep. series, so we're going to put her there, too, because people will know to look for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on what what we're okay with teens reading and what we're not okay mm-hmm. with. Like, we can have them reading, like, entire books that center around kids killing each other. Yep. And we're totally okay with that. That's mm-hmm. fine. Violence, okay. Consensual sex, no. How dare <laughs> like, you? No. Just, <laughs> like it's just that's like what's mm-hmm. your pearls? But meanwhile, let's watch them kill each other. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's just I, I I feel like that's you know, America's not the only place, and we do have that very mm-hmm. Puritan thing. But we're not the only place. However, there are other countries who are kind of like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> like. <laughs> Because also it's kind of funny because it's like, does your kid watch TV? Yeah, then you're fine. Yeah, your do they watch the CW, ABC Family, yeah. <laughs> like, or like Freeform, whatever they're calling mm-hmm. that now? I mean, it's yeah. just, yeah. But it's um, I do think um, this is helping though, so that you mm-hmm. don't have those awkward situations, right, where somebody who is too young ends up reading something that they mm-hmm. shouldn't be. You saying that, it reminds me of how me and Jackie started reading romance so young. Like, I was in sixth grade when I started. I got my first Sherilyn Kenyon. I found it on my mother's computer desk. I stole it. It was amazing. Was it the and Dark Hunters? No, I, yeah, actually, it was a uh, fantasy, fantasy lover. lover. So, the one that kind oh, of started. Wow, that's that was like my very first one, one, isn't it? It, it was, was in amazing. a book, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, all the stats I'm reading nowadays, um, 
is like you know kids start searching for like porn at like between nine and 12 and i feel like we had such a better maybe i shouldn't use the word better we had a different kind of foundation knowing that this was like our first exposure to like romance and sex and it's just yeah and i don't know how old you are like how readily available the internet was um well also i feel like porn wasn't always something that even if you wanted to mm-hmm. in the first decade or so of the internet like really being mm-hmm. super thing right but you were like i don't know if i should go there i don't want a bunch of viruses on the computer. <laughs> yeah you know because like, you just didn't know mm-hmm. but like i feel like we were so much of exposing kids to reading material at 12 years old i was reading joanna Lindsay. Yep. And that is old school bodice bodice ripper. Ripper. Yep. I, yes. I, I still love the books, but you know, they do not hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, no. but that's okay. They were a book of their time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't turn out bad. The only thing I think that I might have had was a higher than normal like expectation of what an orgasm felt like. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, in historicals, <gasps> it's like you're fucking shooting through the clouds, you're yeah. resting and like, well, that didn't. <laughs> like, it. It I don't think it, it doesn't make you like I don't understand what people think like mm-hmm. that it's going to make you go out and have sex does watching a movie about Jason Bourne make you go out and think you're a, a, a special agent no <laughs> like, I hope not yeah like that's not what's happening mm-hmm. but yeah but yeah I do think with stuff that's you know that statistic though of how young did you say they were looking? I at they're porn? saying between nine and twelve because if you think about it now, Jesus. people have access to like smartphones, to iPads, to privacy. I mean, there are worse My things God. to find than a romance novel. I think. Well, and here's the thing: like when I was twelve years old, reading historical romance, yeah. I still was I still was not wanting to get with anybody. Like exactly. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I still right. don't do now. Yeah. Like I'll read it, but I don't. Cooties. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I'm going to still not think about this when I close the book. Right. Like, yeah. I, mean, I just, I, yeah. I don't know. And obviously kids are growing up way faster now, I feel they like. Are. But that is a shocking mm-hmm. age. Nine years. Nine to 12. They're saying like between nine and 12. I think it does depend well, kind of on like where you live and yeah. um, how much access to technology you have. But. And I understand some of it might just be curiosity, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you not hear somebody else bad. talking mm-hmm. about it and you're just like, what are they talking mm-hmm. about? Um, but. Again, maybe, you know, saying, um, you know, not being so strict for reading material might you know, mock those sites. Might help a little bit. Yeah. 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 Because especially if they go to the public library and they ask their friendly local librarian, then they're like, hey, I want a romance story. I'm in seventh grade. We, the professionals, know what books we can then go pull from the shelf. We know yeah. where to start with and we know where to go. Mm-hmm. And when I'm dealing with my young adult stuff, like I've had so many parents come up to me at events or like if I'm there with for adult, my adult books ask me, um, like my kid is 14, 15, 16, mm-hmm. whatever. Is this appropriate? And the one thing I always say to them is, you know, your kid better than I do. Yeah. I was like, but like, and I tell them this is true. And I'm sure as a librarian, you know this. Yeah. Kids will not read what they're not comfortable reading. Yeah. They will either gloss over it, skim over. I know adults that still do that, mm-hmm. or they will close that book and put it back on the shelf. Yeah. And they, it, it, you know, I've I've had when I was doing a lot of young adult, I would have teenagers who were really comfortable and loved reading X Y Z book series, but like held off on continuing to read other series of mine. And they kids, I, they know 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, they know what they're comfortable with some, you know, most of the time. There obviously are exceptions to that. But librarians, I feel like you two, like, you've been, you've seen enough kids, right? Yeah. That you can sometimes be like, because, you know, the young adult age group, that's a huge range of books. Yeah. Seventh and twelfth grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just by talking to them, right? That you can say, okay, we need to do lower YA versus an upper YA mm-hmm. book. Yep. Um, and so it's it's yeah, out of everything to be so concerned with. Yeah. It's this to me would be the last thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There this is one of those cases sometimes I wish that new adult had been able to take um take over a little better than it sadly did because mm-hmm. it was such a good a uh, good bridge between that upper YA and that a uh, little more spicy adult fantasy or adult mm-hmm. romance at all. And I think what you're seeing now, because it didn't, um, I mean, I could be a little bit wrong on this, but I feel like that's why you see a lot of, like, I feel like there's been a decline in young adult books being published. Yeah. And I, think, I, yeah. Sorry, they're finding because so many adults are reading YA and like mm-hmm. older kids, yeah. they're like, they're aging the characters up. And that's why you're also seeing YA that's set in like college. And we're seeing less of like the seventh and eighth grade characters. Yeah. And I feel like, and when I say declined, it's like not in quality, but in quantity. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. I, I wonder, and, who, and I don't even know how you'd find this out, is if an author established or not sits down and says, I want to write this, mm-hmm. but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and age this character up to 18, 19, and then just push it as adult, new adult. Um, or maybe not, they won't call it new adult depending on how they're publishing, but you know, like where I'm not going to even do it as YA because if I want to have any type of nonviolent adult themes, I'm, or young adult themes, because they're not even really adult themes, you know, I don't want to have to deal with that. Um, but like, it's, you know, I do wonder because I feel like I have seen like less young adult books being published Mm -hmm. because in the last couple of years than I've ever seen yeah I feel like there's eventually going to be a backlash too just because of all the book bans and all the controversy we've had I think the the YA books that will be published I think they're going to be considered like safer and less quote-unquote well yeah I mean you know I I think there's definitely be a huge change I mean I I hope so um recently I'm not sure if you guys saw this um it was it was at the beginning of November um in, in Florida. I love you, yeah, Florida, of course. But always Florida. <laughs> um, it's uh, the moms, you know, I'm not going to. Yes, those people had called the police over a book yeah. that was one of my books. Oh. And yes, it was Storm and Fury, which I'm does so- not <gasps> have sex in it. Let's no. yes, point it that doesn't. out. I'm like, out of all my, all my books that you could have done, because they do exist, sex oh. on the page. Mm-hmm. You pick the one. <clears throat> That doesn't. And it was on Florida. It's Storm of Fury, I think, still is on the yeah. team recommend list for Florida. Mm-hmm. But I didn't even know it happened until I get an email from a reporter. And I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, they, they, wait a minute, they called the police. <laughs> and they did. Wow. They have body cam footage of it. And, and that group is ter- a little terrifying. Mm-hmm. If you know anything about them. Yeah, um, we do. But like, yeah. And yes, they see teachers and librarians do know unfortunately i don't think a lot of the public understands no. what they're about uh, and what they do to people mm-hmm. um what they've done to teachers and librarians i mean it is is they do things that are illegal yeah mm-hmm. um and it's 
But I mean, I, I, I when I first saw it, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry just because you literally called the actual police. Yep. There's a couple of places that have tried that, not just in Florida, but like Iowa, Oklahoma. There's a, it's like becoming a tactic for a couple of groups. Well, and I think there are hidden agendas. Yeah. Because in this situation, there was another book that Mm -hmm. they were really going for, Mm -hmm. that they were escalating up to the, I think, the state attorney general. Um, And that book had, um, I think, really prevalent LGBTQT plus. Characters in it, and I was like, I think mine is the decoy mm-hmm. because no one's really knowing about what they're actually and being somewhat successful in. The attorney mm-hmm. general agreed to see hear the case or whatever it is, and I felt like mine, like I feel like mine's like the decoy a little bit because gotcha. it's so ridiculous that you're doing this on this book. Yeah, I feel like they had because one thing they're smart. <laughs> I mean, they are smart in what they do, and mm-hmm. I mean. I, I just hope that we don't allow people like that to continue because it's, you know, being a librarian, being a teacher is already hard enough. They don't need to be worried about this. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Plus, I don't know. It seems like it's not fair in general, but I feel like it's also just not fair to the author. Like you, like you said, this book has no sex in it. It's about gargoyles, right? You said, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> actually my statement to the reporter. I'm sure I sounded like... I was like, I can't believe they called a, a, the police over. And then I was like, dot, 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 a fictional book about gargoyles. <laughs> I was like, oh God. I was just like, yeah. I can't even believe I'm having this conversation kind of thing. But also at the same time, that book actually is very important to me because it has Trinity who has the same degenerate eye disease that I do. And so it's like, you know, so here's a book that's actually showing people what it's like to be around people who have um, vision loss and are continuing to experience vision loss. And it's like, you just glossed over all that and found yeah. one um, sexy scene in it where yeah. they're like, you know, it, it's like, it, it's just, you know, it's like people, like of all the books still on top of it. Like, no. Right. Well, I'm really uh, sorry that happened to you. Oh, and you know what? I don't, I, I wouldn't say feel bad for me. Mm-hmm. I say feel bad for that teacher that's in library. That's fair. Because that's, that's yeah. the one that they can't to deal with it. Was. And I did actually, I think, I think it was the teacher or the librarian. I did get her information and had reached out to because mm-hmm. I like, I felt bad. I was like, I'm not, yeah. you know, I was like, I'm, I emailed, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not apologizing, apologizing for my book or its content. I was like, because we all know it's fine, but I'm sorry that you had to deal with this mm-hmm. because that, you know, that had to be scary. Because you just don't yeah. ever know what's going to yeah. happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because there has been teachers who have lost their jobs, especially mm-hmm. in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's. I feel like so much of this uh, with the book banning, especially starting to go after romantic fantasy books, can kind of be exemplary of how fantasy almost has this reputation, especially if it's written by women, that it's going to have a romantic aspect to it. And I feel like we've had such an explosion of romantic fantasy, romanticy, even in the past like two, three years, that it's become an easy target almost. Anything with romance attached to it that's heavily dominated by women is going to have a target. Whether it's a target for something like that or it's just just a target to be seen as something less than. Mm, Um, We've seen that 
with young adult in, in general, the young adult genre, we see that still to this day of people like, oh, it's a young adult book. And it's like, man, I learned way more stuff in the young adult book than I ever did reading an adult book, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. or a classic, you know, to be honest. So, I mean, it's, um, but I think when you take those two things together, you see that it, um, like they, they have different types of targets in them. And it's, yeah. and it, it's even more so if they're going to be like diverse, if they're going to have, mm-hmm. Um, non-white, you know, heteronormative relationships, then it's going to be even more of a target on them. And I mm-hmm. think you do see a lot more of that in the fantasy realm. You know, in, in that world, you're seeing a lot more of those characters taking center stage. Um, but yeah, with romance in general, I feel like it does always have a bit of a, you know, either a target or look down. Yeah. 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 Do you think there's a reason why... Uh, in the past couple of years, especially, romanticity has had such an awakening? Yeah, I mean, my opinion is, I feel there's two things. And one is just my own opinion that whenever the world gets too real, too serious, you see a shift into things that are pure escapism. Mm-hmm. I think if you even go back um, to the 2000s, you know, you had a lot of contemporary but then after like the early 2001s, you started to see a shift, I believe, into like the Dark Hunters, mm-hmm. I think, started coming paranormal. out. And that's when you mm-hmm. saw like the urban mm-hmm. fantasy paranormals taking off. And then things were great. You saw a rise in contemporary and great is subjective. But then towards <laughs> the end of 2000s, you started to see economic problems. And then what did you see that was super popular? Twilight. Things yeah. like that, where yeah. it was escapism. So I think that's part of it. It's just that people want true escapism. And also, I think the other part is um, social media sites like BookTok, where, Mm. you know, you're able to spread information or anything about a book way far, like it spreads way farther than it did on Twitter, because it's like BookTok isn't new in the sense that there was Instagram before that and still is Instagram. But there was Twitter. There were bloggers. You know, bloggers, like, what do they always say? They walked so you could run. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. it was the book bloggers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they were the ones in, mm-hmm. you know, the 2010s that were promoting books. But nothing seems to have the reach like Book Talk does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm sure some of that's their algorithm and just how many people are on it. But I think that is has a lot to do with it. Because Book Talk took away a lot of the gate. That was being done mm-hmm. by publishing across the board, mm-hmm. like whether it be fantasy, diverse books, like uh, just books that don't really have a genre that they fit neat into. It's true. Um, they kind of like busted through that because, with I mean, I think also a book talk, it's you don't like a lot of times when people are talking about it, it's not to say that there is no paid content for books on there, there is. But you can tell when it is and isn't. Even if they don't say it, you can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because nothing nothing is more genuine than you talking about a book you loved or a book you hated. And you can tell that by listening to a person. And I think that's another reason why Book Talk, I think, really exploded. Because it's still not heavily um, like manipulated by companies, yeah. if you know what I mean. I mean, it is in other spheres, one hundred percent. But I feel like in publishing, publishers really haven't been able to like get their fingers really onto, yeah. you know, like mm-hmm. other sites. Plus, it's almost free of that. Like, Bookstagram got very 
uh, known for the kind of aesthetic, like this over the top aesthetic yes. that a lot of the popular bookstagram had. And book in these beautiful had, pictures, I could never recreate for the freaking life of me. <laughs> I know they the do flat it? lays. Oh, I, they're yes. gorgeous. But book talk, I, I mean, a lot of the times it's just plain person speaking to the camera, mm-hmm. nothing else. And I feel like sometimes those are the ones that do the best. It's more, orga- I say, I hate to say organic. And I can tell Jen's about to roll her eyes at me for saying that. Um, I would never. <laughs> well, I mean, because there's sides of it, right? You do have the yes. organic and I do. And, and, and please know large talkers hate me for this. But like, I do think you still have a lot more organic. You still have them with them too. Mm-hmm. But you do, people who don't have a lot of followers right who you know aren't they aren't influencers in a way right mm-hmm. you have more organic in the sense that you know they've heard about it but again the argument can always be made that you know when books go viral on there then everybody is talking about it right and so is it organic yes but you know it's it then it just becomes the but are you just talking about it because everybody else is you know, which is probably yes. <laughs> like, yes. It's human yes. nature. So yeah. I do know that there is like, I feel like a back and forth argument you could have with that. Now, Sorry, from I'm blood and... me injection. No, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Jen... curious. I'm like, what, you, what, what is your thoughts on that? Well, I just, when you said that, it made me laugh because me and Jackie probably are that back and forth argument because she loves book, like TikTok and I hate book talk. <laughs> no, not book talk. Sorry, not book. I don't let the book talkers come after me. I don't like TikTok. I just yeah. find the video format so annoying. I sit there and watch people do this (laughs) I appreciate like that it's really important for the genre yeah and here's the thing I'm I am so not on TikTok that I've had TikTok suspend my inactive account multiple times was not able to get it back because I don't (laughs) then I had to start another one just because I want to watch a stupid video someone sent Mm -hmm. um but I don't like it because it's not vision friendly how in the hell does a website I mean an app this popular Mm -hmm. And no, does anybody even talk about that? If you have any sort of damn vision problems, you can't mm-hmm. increase anything on it. Like mm-hmm. your override phone will not work for it. When I was using it, I would have to like, because I think back, I, I don't think you could load stuff on the computer until recently. I think mm-hmm. they do let you do that now. But back just a year, a year ago, you I would have to type something out in notes or I would have to type what I'm saying and then screenshot it and zoom in. So if I was trying to interact, I, I it was just too frustrating. So I'm like, how do you not allow font mm. to be increased here? But also, I don't want videos to start automatically playing. Yes, <laughs> I hate that. Uh, True. Like I'm trying to be inconspicuous mm-hmm. over here and <laughs> reaching mm-hmm. to the entire world. Yes. That like, and I just wish there was a way that hey, no, and maybe there is a way to get sound to stop automatically mm-hmm. coming up. Um, and I'm just, I haven't figured it out because I'm not on it. But yeah, that's why I'm never really on it. Because of those reasons. Uh, my boss shouldn't be listening to this part, but I just turned the volume all the way down before I open up TikTok yeah. at my desk. I mean, you have to. Because yeah, exactly. Lord only exactly. knows what's going to come up. Like it's, um, yeah, so it, it's that. But yeah, the, the mm-hmm. video form, I'm not, I, like, I'll sit and watch YouTube because I think I like longer mm-hmm. formatted stuff. Which I'm like, is it an age thing? <laughs> oh, no. Like, I'm old. I feel like um, YouTube's more deliberate, though, for me. Yeah. Like, if I am watching it, if I, like, have YouTube on, I mean, like, because I'm cooking or I'm cleaning or I'm doing something or I want to, like, listen to a long-form YouTube thing, TikTok, I feel like, like, people just throw TikTok at me and expect me to have a spare 30 seconds to watch it. Well, and I feel like TikTok also just, like, 
geared to, I feel like TikTok can be really good for ADHD or really bad. Mm, yeah. Like it can be hard. I feel like, you know, I, I, for me, it would be like constant jarring of it going to something different, something different, something mm-hmm. different. And, and, you know, unless you get your algorithm just perfect, which I know people who have gotten their algorithm so perfect that it only ever shows them stuff that they want to see. Wow. And that means you can never get nosy and look at anything else. <laughs> Not once. <laughs> or you messed up your whole algorithm. It's <laughs> oh. too yeah. much work to watch stuff. Well, I only have a couple of questions about book talk that I want to ask you, mostly because from Blood and Ash, I feel like was one of the cornerstones of what I consider to be book talks popularity do you have a hypothesis about why from blood nash got so popular on that specific social media site you know the whole thing that was funny about that was like when it when it started getting popular I would have people being like you know you need to because I didn't have a tiktok account at all and they were like you need to go look at this and I'm like oh that's cool and then you know I would have authors and I'm like no it's you know I'm like oh thanks let me know but I never Mm -hmm. went and looked at it it wasn't until like somebody I knew in real real world, like, you know, who was not remotely related to writing was like, had DM'd me, I think on Facebook was like, yo, you need to go look at how many hashtag views there are. Wow. And, and so I did and I vomited a little in my mouth because <laughs> like, I think when I had done that, it was like 65 million, I think. Like it was like, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, and I mean, and I know that's not like, I don't, I don't know. I think I understand how that's counted. So it's not like, you know, I don't think it's unique impressions. I have no idea, but I don't care if it was 10,000. <laughs> that was like, I was just, I remember I like puked a little in my mouth. I was excited, but also I was like, oh my God. Um, I think it was just timing. I think that there was a gap in fantasy at that time. Like your, your fantasy authors who write similar books didn't have a book coming out during that time frame. Um, and my book kind of came out like right in the middle of that. It was also what was going on in the world in early 2020. A lot more mm-hmm. people were at home. Book talk existed before then, but mm-hmm. it did not become what it is today until I feel like around that time because more people yeah. had time to do this and to go on. And to, you were now, you had so many people working from home, right? Who were able to sit there and look through their phones and not worry yeah. about like, you know, boss They're being boss. like, what are you doing? Same with kids, right? Teenagers. Like, so I think it was a combination of timing, um, you know, the gap in publication for some other fantasy books. And it was just like that storm of things that you cannot recreate. It's just, yeah. you know, it's like a, I don't want to say obviously a flash in the pan, but it's like that light, lightning in a bottle moment where mm-hmm. these other things out of your control happened at the same time. And, and that was at the same time, book talk started to really become a more well-known like what do they call them subgenres of talk. yeah uh, but yeah I think that is it, you know I don't think I had anything I was doing because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even on there so I mean it, I it, I feel like it was just the timing of it well it's because you write awesome books with amazing romance mm-hmm. that are just absolutely gripping in the fantasy world so you know it's my little brown nose moment, but <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. well, I had to look up because you were talking about how many hashtags and I had to look up what the from Blood Nash hashtag count is currently is 397.9 million views on that hashtag. That's, that's like a debt. 
Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I was just, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm like, wow. It, it's just, you know, and it's, it's 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 crazy in a good way, but it's also crazy in a scary way, just because that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm just somebody who, like, you know, like, I've always said that if um, the Blood and Ash, the Ash series, like, makes it into TV and it becomes popular, I was like, I'm going to catapult myself right off the internet. Because it's like that's a level of just attention that I don't want. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That yeah. I just don't care to have. And I know some people like that, but that's just not me. Because I feel like that can just, even if it's good, it can get to you. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just, that's just a lot. <laughs> Plus, there's always that opposite side of the coin that can come mm-hmm. up, which is the bad side and the bad reactions. And you unfortunately have had that backlash in the past from social media sites. Um, so as an author who's been writing for longer than both of these spaces, specifically talking about Bookstagram and Book Talk, have really been around, what do you think the impact of social media has been on how we, the readers, consume books? Well, I, I feel like, so I'm like, I'm assuming you guys are probably talking about the response to the joining. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, like, you know, here's the thing. You're, you, as an author, you have to realize, you have to come to the point that you understand that you're never going to make everybody happy, right? If you mm-hmm. stay true to yourself, there's always going to be someone disappointed. It's the same thing as, like, someone's one-star review is a person's five-star, my fave, best thing ever, yeah. and vice mm-hmm. versa, right? So there's always going to be that. Um, and, there, you know, and, and the best thing I always, like, I feel like for authors, it's like you have to be really careful about where you navigate and what spaces you're stepping into. Because, you know, once authors, I feel like, step into a reader space, like I feel like Book Talk is, just like Goodreads is, mm-hmm. it just sets the stage things not to end well at some point, yeah. right? Because it's bound to happen, right? You're going to catch somebody on a bad day, whether it's an author or a, 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 a reader slash reviewer. Um, but um, I, there is a difference, though, right? I feel like at the end of the day, Book Talk has done amazing things for the genres, not just fantasy, right? They they have, and it's funny sometimes, like they just randomly pull up, like they they randomly make a book a bestseller that came out eight years ago. Yeah. yeah. Holly like, Hoover, we're looking at you. Colleen, yeah. <laughs> Penelope Douglas, it's like, mm. what? Like this book came out 10 years ago. Like, what do y'all do it? They've been here. Like, but you know, it is not, I don't mean it in a bad way, but it's like, how did we even get here? I would <laughs> like to know the origin story of that. <laughs> um, but it's, where so I think overwhelmingly they have had a, a majority of a good positive a positive influence. However, we only ever going to hear or think about the negative, right? Mm-hmm. Because that is how our human brains work, and so that's the things that we remember is 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 the bad stuff. And um, even though like when the people who are being negative sometimes it is a small majority, but those when you're mad about something right you're often louder yeah right? like yeah, yeah it's good it's, it's human it's nature true. we can talk shit about all we want yeah. but we do the same thing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean but <laughs> um yeah so it's it's just it's human nature and 
as again as an author you have to remember that that is easier said than done mm-hmm. um but and i know that but again with social media in general it has been amazing mm-hmm. but there is a like a, an underbelly to it where it has emboldened people to do and say things that universally under north soakum circumstance is okay and like in my own personal experience that happened with that you know this is a, a book of fictional characters they are not real yeah. um i am all those characters at the end of the day it's me how creepy is that but it's the truth right <laughs> so it's me but when you're going on the internet goodreads tiktok twitter whatever and you are threatening the life of an author with your whole being and you think that's okay there is something far wrong there mm-hmm. and it is I, I you know I went to school for psychology that's you know I worked in that field I have I could spend all day like figuring out um what made you think that's okay mm-hmm. <laughs> like what what world did you get to this point so there is I feel like there is that right that's the downside of all that because I do think it impersonalizes people it makes because you're at the end of the day, you're behind a screen on a computer or a screen on your phone. It helps you detach. Like if you ever listen to interviews with like wartime um, photographers and video people, the reason why they're able to keep filming is because they often say that they're behind the camera, the lens. It helps them detach from what mm-hmm. they're actually witnessing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously different mentalities, um, but I think there is a course similarity there where you're behind a screen and the person that you may be going at, like there's no tomorrow is also behind the screen. And so I think it helps you to detach it. I mean, it's, it's hard. I feel like for anyone to navigate, be you an author or a reader, because there are times where things get brought up that are valid, that are hundred percent valid. And you then have to decide like, and figure out what is and what isn't because one thing that's also a truth is that everything we read do see is influenced by our own personal experiences Mm -hmm. and we and so it can affect how we perceive things and 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 that is hard for anybody to realize that this is why other people don't see this and this might be why you see this but then again, mm-hmm. on the flip side, there are times where, um, you know, I've learned things by people posting it on social media. Like I can give an example back in the day when I first started writing, I was, I would never really describe like the color of a character's skin because I didn't describe like a white person. And I was mm-hmm. like, it just, I was like, you know, it's, it's not like you'd be like enter page left a person who is not white. And so that was my head. Right. But then. I only remember what, I think what it was. I, I don't even know. It's, I mean, it was a several different things, right? Because again, I don't have those lived experiences. So it wasn't something that was obvious to me. And I think even in the beginning, I wasn't really like paying close enough attention that because again, it, you have that everything you see is is influenced by your own life, your experiences. But I think what it was, was that I had someone saying that there was no diversity in this one book series of mine. And it was like almost like many of like the main 
like secondary characters like who were in every book were were not white mm-hmm. you know they were they were black hispanic asian and i'm like i thought that i had given enough like cues right it was descriptions but then i realized that it is no matter what your color of your skin is you unintentionally often will whitewash what you're reading yeah. because that is what you're accustomed to that is what you've been exposed to and you just automatically default to that and that's when i realized oh shit i should have been listening because i do have to state this because if i don't they're gonna and when i say they i mean every type of reader is gonna default that character to what they're commonly reading which is white and it's so I, I learned. So those are times, right, where social media and the reading community have like there is a great impact there that I do think is for the better good. It can just get very complicated because, again, mm-hmm. some things are influenced by your own experience and may not necessarily be what anybody else mm-hmm. is, you know, or and, so, and you can't like. And because you 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 just fall down this tr- this thing of like, well, who do you listen to? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and and you and then you just like, okay, I have to stop. But that's also why there has been like way more sensitivity readers nowadays to help catch like all those questionable things, especially if you're white mm-hmm. and you're like, you know, which most of us are in this genre that are writing um, this and that. You know, at least right now, it's like we may not catch some of those little things right that we don't think a simple second thing about but you know somebody who's lived that life is going to be like hold on <laughs> like we yeah. need to back up a second and i do think social media and this was even before book talk push was the ones who i feel like was back during the days of blogging that mm-hmm. you actually saw the, the push more so for sensitivity readers and like you need to be getting people you know reading this to make just for everybody's benefit. Um, mm-hmm. And so I do, I think there's both sides of it. I do think overwhelmingly it is positive. And then I do think that when it, when it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it somehow always, always makes it onto national media when it's <laughs> <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> like, but that's true. <laughs> any other time during the yep. year. Nope, nobody cares. <laughs> but my God, if it's something where you're just sitting back being like, oh, oops, it's literally on Dateline. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. Oh, and I wish we could stop doing that a little bit. Wow. What's that saying? It's like um, a scream is louder than a whisper or something mm. like that. And like you were saying, we, we were louder when we are angry, both metaphorically and physically. We speak louder and we're more vehement about how we. Mm-hmm. How we yeah, talk about I, things if we're angry. And, and I do think we are loud when we really love something too, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's just that, here's the thing though. The people who, who, I can just only use books as an example, right? Is when somebody really loves something and I'm not a reader or I'm not a reader of that genre, I'm not watching the video. I don't care. No. <laughs> but if you're pissed off and you're also at the same time funny, I'm watching it. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, you know, I mean, not TikTok. But I'll tell you this: good reads, though. Back in the day, that place could go off. But I'm yeah. telling you what: when they used to let you put gifs in your reviews, 
hilarious. Ugh. Like I, there was one star reviews in my book because that was back then when I could still read reviews that I laughed because I'm like, this is prime want gif usage. <laughs> like, <it> would, <laughs> I mean, they would have. I, I wish they didn't stop doing that. Um, it was they used to have gif that you could embed yep. in and they at times were hilarious I and mean, it was just like you and sometimes hey they had a point and you're just yeah. like oh man but it's funny but again like if you're not really if you don't like that genre right like I, I mean I think we've all done this right where it's like there'd be some drama in this other like I don't know movie sphere we're not attached to that but I bet you will we, we might be watching that mm-hmm. and so I think that's what you see happening right that's how it spreads so much is that people who really don't have a bone to pick a horse in the race, but they're probably going to watch the drama before they watch the happy stuff because, Mm -hmm. you know, apparently Mm -hmm. how we all were raised for many generations. (laughs) Well, then we only have two final questions for you and they're, they're kind of difficult questions. I'm not going to lie. Why do you love romance books? Um, I think for me is I, I think romance books give you they they're 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 showing you so much like mm-hmm. you know you you get to experience sometimes falling in love again for the first time you get to experience um, first heartbreaks mm-hmm. and I some people might not think they might think why would you want to experience that but there is something about that that you want to because you know at the end of the day it's going to be okay. And I think that's one of the great things about romance is that, and, and again, like y'all out there, authors, you keep saying, but does it have to have a happy ending? Yes, yeah. that, that's the definition of romance. Can we mm-hmm. please stop? Um, it is, there's enough heartache and heartbreak and just sadness in the world, but you can pick up a romance book and know by the time you finish, you, you should have a smile on your face. You should feel just a little good. And you it also... Can expose people who do live in cities and towns and places in the world where they are not very exposed to people who are not like them, to people and to be able to see that and to live it and to learn about it. And romance, I think, more than any genre, does that. And mm-hmm. you know, it, I think that's why it's always been one of my favorite genres. It's beautiful. beautiful. I'm like all heartwarmed just from that answer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and final, yeah. final question. Thank you so much for doing uh, the time with us today. We don't get a lot of opportunities to talk to authors uh, as talented as you. So thank you so much. Finally, what are you reading right now that we should run out and get for our libraries? I'm not reading anything this right this very second. But what mm-hmm. I did read was um, Kit Rocha's. This is the recent one of the recent mm-hmm. books. Um, Consort of the Dragon. Dragon's Consort. Oh my gosh, I need to double check that. <laughs> it's either concert or dragon or dragon. The dragon it's got dragons. <laughs> then it's um, yeah, that that it's a fantasy. Um, so that's that's one of the books I've read recently. But also when I'm writing, I tend to go back and read um books I've read a million times. Oh okay, yeah. And it's so I'm reading um, oh shoot, what is it? Um, Kirikin Brian. I always say her name wrong and every time I see her I'm like, oh sorry. yeah uh yeah. Bur- burn burn Brian Brian she writes like she writes historical romance and she yeah. writes in a way that reminds me of the old school bodice rippers but for the 21st century oh, <laughs> like yes. they 
like you know like yes you know that very important fact there but um yeah like where you know she has like that the anti-heroes right and so i go back and read them um and i am terrible with names um i'll go back and read uh nylene oh saying yeah yeah oh yeah Um, uh her archangel series Mm -hmm. yeah please forget the series title of that which i think is like archangel series (laughs) like it's it's like angel blade i know that's not actually the book it's um it's got angels in it (laughs) somewhere (laughs) it's funny because nisha sharma we got to interview interview her last month i believe and she actually also recommended nalini singh that we reread awesome yeah, so I'll go back. I'll read mm-hmm. Larissa Ione. I'll read um, mm-hmm. Gerald Ward. Like I'll read like books that I've read, but I, but in, and because it's it's like a safe thing, right? Where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, because I if I'm writing, I don't want to start a new series because I am mm-hmm. the type of reader that if I'm into it, it's Nileni. I picked up that damn series while I was at BA, and I only intended to read like the first book. And uh, I somehow read all the books that are out, but it <laughs> obviously took me longer than that. So I didn't freaking work. <laughs> so like, and because I'm the type of person, like I get obsessive, right? That's also mm-hmm. ADHD. <laughs> you get tunnel vision. And, I, and so I have to, I've learned that I can't start new series when I'm writing because mm-hmm. I just want to read that. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you so much again for sitting down and joining us tonight. And mm-hmm. romance nerds, if they would like to ask you any questions or if they want to find your books or find you online, where can they go to? Um, I'm usually on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I do have a reader group called Jay Landers. Um, so yeah, it's like Justice League of America. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so that's, and also like you can sign up for, for a newsletter. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Well, thank you so much. This was like such a great conversation. Thank you for the extra time. We really appreciate it. This is thank you. I just I don't uh, nothing else to say because I'm just like in a warm glow. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. Okay. Right. And Jen, what is it that we always say? Rage on! All right, my <laughs> romance nerds and bye, Jennifer. Thank you so much. <laughs>